0: On this first day of medical school, as the person who has the the wonderful opportunity to lead this institution, it's such a privilege for me to be able to stand here and welcome you as my most junior colleagues. Welcome to UMass Chan.
1: of UMass Chan podcast and we are kicking it off once again season number six with Chancellor Michael F. Collins. Welcome.
0: Thank you. It's always great to be here, particularly at the beginning of a new academic year.
1: It's always such a good time to touch base and we do try to do that with you as we're welcoming a new class of students. Just a moment ago we heard just an excerpt of your first lecture that you give to the incoming class uh, of the T.H. Chan School of Medicine. And here this is really a milestone year, the largest school medicine class ever
0: pretty exciting actually we have two hundred first-year medical students nine md phd's within that group one of the things we were very concerned about when we began to take out of state students is that we would not disenfranchise any massachusetts student who wanted a spot so we've always kept that
1: that's right two-thirds of the class is from massachusetts
0: but i'll tell you that uh... do have the chance to give the first lecture to the medical students and it's always a sort of anxiety provoking get excited to be there on the first day. Do you get
1: first day jitters say, oh, all Very much week? so. You <laughs> do. I hope
0: it's not apparent to the class, <laughs> but absolutely. And, and I spend a lot of time <clears throat> on the weekend thinking about you know, being prepared, being excited, and then sort of trying to uh, communicate what I want to say to them, which is that, that they should really recognize the privilege it is to be a doctor. You're one of the, if not the most accomplished medical school class in the world. That's what gets in here. In recognizing that personal accomplishment and the privilege it is to recognize that it's so important in each and every interaction with a patient, that we hold that patient in esteem, that we promote their human dignity, and that most importantly, we recognize that uh, maybe one of the most important things we'll do in our career is hold a patient's hand. And uh, that's sort of the message I deliver on day one.
1: And you talk about how special it is for these students. Each one in their family now takes on this new role as a future physician. And the class is so selective, 5,000 applicants. And it all comes down to these 200 who, I just thought this was a great stat, they speak 40 languages among them.
0: It's incredible. You're quite right. I actually get a chance to speak to the parents in the afternoon. I I can't imagine what it would have been like for my mom to come to my first day of medical school. But anyway, it's a different world now. And I do mention that fact that the relationship that a family member has with their child once they come into medical school changes forever. Well, maybe not on day one, but I guarantee you by Thanksgiving the uh, stethoscopes will be out and uh, everybody around the table will be having their heart listened to that... uh, Parents and other members of the family will be calling to talk about this pain or that diagnosis. And, and then over time, particularly once the person, once this medical student graduates do their residency, their relationship becomes, yes, it's always son and daughter, but it is um, now a doctor and they become an important, caregiver for their own family.
1: And so knowledgeable. And and you might say the same thing for the incoming class at the Tan Ching Fen Graduate School of Nursing. Sixty-three new students are joining us now, 93 new students in the Morningside School of Biomedical Sciences. These classes are all growing. Can you talk about why that is?
0: Well I think it's <clears throat> it's certainly clear in the health professions that we need more practitioners. The nursing shortage is real. Um, it's perceptible. It's it's very difficult for the health systems affiliated with the medical school now to hire enough nurses. And the nursing students that we educate, those those students that we have the privilege to steward their educations, have all received an undergraduate degree. So they might have a music degree from a great undergraduate liberal arts school, but then they decide they want to go into nursing a short time thereafter. And so they're very motivated, very focused, very accomplished students, by the way who then come in and want to pursue a career in nursing, get a master's or or a doctorate. And the students who are in our graduate school, same thing. Um, As the research enterprise here grows, there's a a greater need for graduate students. And I think one of the things that's been particularly interesting over the last few years is the interface between science in industry and science in academia. I would say in my earliest years uh, at UMass Chan, Students who were completing their PhD in the graduate school were by and large going into academic positions, you know, doing postdocs and working in, in an academic laboratory. Now there's a, a great and certainly a much greater number who are actually going into industry and u- utilizing the, ta- the, the talents and the education that they've received here now to go and make some of these discoveries that are um, really changing uh, the face of medicine.
1: right there's just so many options for for all of our graduates really and even when it comes to the educational piece it's interesting that now just for take our medical students for instance so if you're an incoming medical student you can really almost customize your MD degree whether it's a certain pathway or focus of study or maybe you're doing an accelerated MD or you're at one of our two regional campuses why is that choice important for future caregivers?
0: I like to say that medicine is a profession of professions. It's it's interesting to sort of watch the evolution in the mind of a student, to sort of the determination of a student around specialty choice and practice type um, over the course of their their time with us. There are a few students who come and say, I'm gonna be this, a neurosurgeon, orthopedic surgeon, an internist, a geriatrician, on day one who do that and there are many who come and uh, and I'll describe medical school as sort of going to the banquet table of medicine and I don't think you should just have the you know the pasta salad or the or the roast beef or the the lobster I think you should try Try each of the things and and then and and that in many ways is what medical school is where you have an opportunity to to experience all the professions all the practice types and then make a decision. It, and it's fascinating for me to see the student walk in and go, oh, I'm going to do this, <laughs> and say, well, okay, well, where did that come from? And uh, But it, it, it's honestly, it's very atypical at the beginning of the medical school. I, I have lunch with all the first-year students, and we talk about, so, you know, what is it that you think you're going to do? And many will say, oh, you know, I've worked at this institution for the last several years, and I've done cancer research, and you know, I I sort of have an interest in that. Or, you know, I worked in a dermatology practice, and, you know, I'm thinking maybe I would like to do dermatology. And then to kind of watch the evolution over the four years when they actually make that specialty decision at the end of the third, beginning of the fourth year. And then to have a conversation about why they did what it did. And oftentimes it will be the interaction they have with a particular patient or a group of patients. Sometimes it's the practice style. Is it more shift work versus wanting to, look after a panel of patients? Is it, well, I've just, you know, solidified my love of children and therefore I want to be into pediatrics? Or I've always had a commitment to be a primary care internist looking after an elderly population in my hometown. And, and, and as those realities become firmer in the mind of the medical student, then they make their specialty choice, and they're off to the races for the residency.
1: How great is it that they have so many options? Oh, boy. Right? Uh, I mean, no really, yeah. the sky is the limit. And, and
0: so many therapeutic options now, too, that, that didn't exist. And, you know, I, I back to my f- first lecture, I say that, you know, HIV wasn't even a disease when I graduated from medical school. I don't really feel that old. And so another tenet of their educational reality is that they've now entered a career-long commitment to education and um, and so you're quite right there's so many different options for them and so many different therapeutic opportunities that are made available from you know the very technical aspects of, of surgical procedures through to the very cognitive aspects of you know complicated diagnoses to the very technologically specific of radiology or radiation oncology it's it's, it's just it provides students with such a broad array of choices.
1: Is there any way in which you would say medical students have changed over the last generation or so?
0: One difference I would say is that many more of us went straight to medical school from college forty years ago than today. Now it's much more like business school where students have done a lot, they've been out two, three, four years Mm -hmm. and come to medical school with a much different appreciation. In fact it's quite interesting at some of these lunches where a student who has just graduated from medical school which say is roughly around a third of the class or less than that. And and, and someone who's been out six or seven years will say, oh, I've got to learn how to study again versus <laughs> yeah. the other student will say, well, you know, studying's no big deal. I've been doing that, you know, all along. So I would say that's a little different. I'm constantly encouraged by the idealism that I see. And I'm grateful for that. To me, it's a it's wonderful to be in a profession where young people come with an idealism, a commitment really to others and not to self. We have to recognize that our livelihoods is made on the illness and the challenge of others. And sometimes the balance thereof is very, you know, it's very complex. And so we have to recognize that and, and If this class, if the accomplishment the people who were these accomplished went into most any other discipline, profession, finance world, they would be wildly successful given their their intellectual ability. But they choose to commit to a lifelong service to others, and that to me is extremely refreshing. In this very place, right upstairs, scientists are looking at RNA interference and how it might actually help to cure a disease. Our dean is looking at how he can actually deliver correct genetic material to a child in order to cure Tay-Sachs disease. The new building that we're building next door is going to have a focus on single gene defect diseases.
1: Great to have the vibrancy of all the students back on campus again, and there is a ton going on around this campus. So I want to talk now a little bit about the new uh, research and education building that's going up. The, from the outside, it looks like it's finished, yeah. but, te- but obviously there's still a lot of construction equipment here. So tell us about that.
0: So we're opening uh, right after the first of the year a new 350,000 square foot education and research building, costing about $350 million. It's a very, very large project. I'm very proud to say that our team is bringing the building in on time and on budget, which is very unusual in this uh, inflation-plagued world we've lived in the last couple of years. Uh, We'll be housing 77 principal investigators in the building, 55 of whom will be new. They won't, all, all the new faculty won't go into that building, but as we shuffle people around from other departments that'll open up spaces so we'll actually be recruiting over time 55 new faculty members we have a focus in the building around the challenge of single gene defect diseases and uh, and so we'll have our our gene therapy and research team our all neuroscience research neurology neurosurgery neurobiology and our molecular medicine teams and we do have some space in there also for a new Department of Human Genetics and Evolutionary Biology. It speaks to the vibrancy of an institution like ours that we're building a new building, and I can tell you that in the recruiting that we're doing, the folks that we're attracting to the campus, when we open a position now, we we see, you know, literally the top five people in the world, and we're able to recruit them here, and many come and feel that sort of vibrant, you know, a ping that you receive when there's a new building coming on board, and and so there is as we kind of sit and look out at the green and 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 recognize that you know this new structure that will complete the green will be open by by the end of this academic year, uh, open and occupied by the end of the academic year. It's you know there it does bring a certain vibrancy to the campus.
1: Yeah, it's just a. Matter of days at this point, right? (laughs) Months, months, more more like it. But you you know, you mentioned that 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 it says something about the campus. I think when you're trying to attract somebody, that that there is this new building and this new investment in research. And and you you made me think of something. You know, there's a uh, we just recently launched this new tagline called "Advancing Together." And one of the examples was this new faculty member who literally could have gone anywhere in the world, chose to come here to UMass Chan, and already with three dozen other labs. She's collaborating and sharing her technology and I think that it's nice that people are seeing it, right? People see it, they feel it. What is it? That, okay, what's the? Uh, it? How do you define it? Yeah,
0: it, it, in, in every way it's the secret sauce of the place. There is a collaboration gene here which is dominant and fully expressed and people are...
1: <laughs> For our scientists they are yes, they're just,
0: <laughs> They just feel it and uh, you know a lot of science is kind of the closed arm huh where i'm working on something in my lab and i get my phd or i get my publication by you know sort of keeping that under wraps until it's finalized and then i publish it and i don't really think that's the that's the case here i think there is a there's a collaborative spirit there's a there's there's a willingness to work together the notion of advancing together is sort of inculcated throughout the institution. And if you're not really interested in that, there's plenty of places you can go where that's not the case. But the case here, and, and, and I hear it over and over and over again. And I hear it, if you, if you talk to a new faculty member after they've been here, or, or I invite them to have dinner with a donor or someone, and they talk about, okay, well, why did you come to UMass Chan? You could have gone, gone anywhere in the world, they say they came here because they felt that, that the collaborative nature, the collaborative and collegial nature of the place. And, and they want to be part of it. And, uh, and so we're, we're now thinking about, we spend a lot of time thinking about sort of what we do and what we are. And frankly, in, in every way, we're advancing together. Whether it's advancing medicine together, or nursing together, or science together, or whether it's advancing together in partnership with, with our philanthropists, whether it's advancing the careers of people who choose to come here, whether they're staff or faculty, whether it's advancing the future of learners, and um, and we're gonna what we're gonna do throughout the course of the year is celebrate that and and communicate it so that others recognize that there really is something special about UMass and you know last year we were selected as one of the best places to work in Massachusetts by the Boston Globe and you know we're we're in the mix again this year for that and you know that to me was a very that was a very important recognition because that is that is determined by our employees who say you know, that's how we feel about the place. And when, when we were the only academic institution in Massachusetts to receive such a designation, I think that says something special about the place and the people who, who are here every day. So
1: I just want to wrap up by, uh, you sound pretty bullish mm-hmm. on, on the medical school, which maybe people would expect as the leader and, and the person who's been executing this vision. But what excites you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? And what are the challenges that you see on your doorstep?
0: Well, the excitement is to be in such a terrifically vibrant environment, Um, to meet new young learners, and to, by the way, have the professional responsibility for stewarding their education. That's, That's pretty exciting, to be able to attract these outstanding scientists and staff from all over the world. And am I bullish on the place? I sure am, because I recognize now, throughout the Commonwealth, throughout the nation, and throughout the world, UMass Chan Medical School now has a, there, there's a much greater appreciation of what's being accomplished here. And, um, and people want to help us and there's a great desire for um, to us to succeed. You know, we're part of a great university system with four other universities. I'm pretty bullish on the value proposition that is UMass at the moment. So it's, it's being part of that is really pretty exciting and having the opportunity to partner with the other four institutions is great so what am I concerned about? Well, look, okay. at My in my role and responsibility, it's really to provide the resources so that we can continue to do all the things we want to do. You know, we're fortunate. We have substantial resources. We have great partnerships. You mentioned earlier that we have incredible affiliates. We now have two regional campuses, which has allowed our class and size in medicine to grow. But we need, we need, we continue to need resources in order to Uh, to fulfill the mission and to you know our mission really is to change the course of history of disease it is to be present in our communities it's to steward the education of learners it is to foster the um, accomplishments of faculty it is to recognize the contributions of, of, of staff and in order to do that particularly in a capital intensive a place like a medical school, you need resources. So I spent a lot of my time talking to people about the resources needed in order to succeed and the resources that in partnership, if we were to receive more, we could actually do a better job of advancing together. From my standpoint, that's a, it, it, if I were an investor, so my bullish you bet, and if I were an investor, UMass Chan is a place to invest at the moment because in every way we're advancing together.
1: Chancellor Michael Collins, thank you so much for making time for us, like you always do.
0: It's always great to be together, particularly at the beginning of the year. Thank you. Always hold the hand of your patient with esteem, because for us, it's, to, it's a privilege to care for our patients, not a privilege for our patients to be cared for by us. You've been listening to The Voices of UMass Chan, produced by the Office of Communications at UMass Chan Medical School. Follow us at UMass Chan on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. On YouTube, find us at UMass Chan Medical School.